Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or a producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs, and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Welcome to another edition of The Media Insider. This episode, I'm with Emmy Harrison-West. She's commissioning editor for TI Media, which publishes several magazines, including Chat, Woman and Woman's Own. She's also a freelance writer in her own right and working on a novel in her spare time. Uh, before that, she was a writer at Southwest Press Agency. Uh, Emmy, thanks so much for joining me, especially in, in lockdown. Pleasure. <laughs> Before we get stuck into all the all the trends and all the pitching advice that I'm sure you're going to share with us, can you first give us a top line overview of the regular slots or pages or sections that you commission for? I know it's quite hard because you're commissioning for three different magazines, so <laughs> perhaps you can just um, outline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you for inviting me, first of all. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you from my living room. So as you said, I'm the commission editor for Chat, Woman and Woman's Own magazines. So I'll start with Chat first. Chat is one of our most popular uh, women's magazines on the real life market. Um, So in terms of the stories that I do look to feature in Chat, um, there's various section and franchises um, featuring mainly a female-led case study and um, sometimes we deal with men but there has to be a strong female angle to it so okay. um, just to start from the top really there's franchises called ask me anything which is a usually a double page spread of a woman that's got an extraordinary job or has an extraordinary lifestyle for example we've had like dominatrixes we've had like foot fetish models we've had prison doctors we've had women in the nhs and it's just a chance for readers to ask any questions that they'd ever wanted to ask these types of people. Um, it's just a nice insight into the lives of those that we have no idea about. Um, just kind of that yeah. kind of voyeurism in a way, like, oh, I've always wondered what a midwife does every day or how she relaxes day to day. And obviously there is the the total opposite end of the spectrum with the, with the sex workers. Um, but we're trying to just cover all Ooh. sorts of jobs. That's one thing I love about working at chat is that we don't judge anyone we're always out to feature everyone and anyone in whatever story that they have. Well, that one, that is one thing about being a journalist, isn't it? They don't judge. It's all, I remember as part of my training, someone um, in one of my early jobs as work experience, someone said to me, lawyers and journalists share one thing in common in that they can't judge. It's all about Absolutely. the story and the facts. Yeah, definitely. Like you definitely meet some interesting people, uh, to say the least. Um some more franchises we have, we've got The Moment I Knew, um, which is basically, it does what it says on the tin. It's like The Moment I Knew I Was Having a Baby or The Moment I Knew I Wanted to Change Gender or I Was in Love With My Boss, uh, featuring the similar sort of stories. Uh, we've got diaries, mm-hmm. um, scrapbooks, um, and we have, we focus a lot on strong crime features in Chat Magazine as well. So we've got features like Call That Justice, maybe where victims or 
families of victims don't feel like justice has been served. So we like right. to raise awareness for them. So say if, for example, someone's son had been killed in an accident and then that person didn't go to court for it, then we just like to say this isn't justice served. We're always looking out for families and looking out for people that feel like they have been treated unfairly by the justice system in any sort of way. And these things sadly happen, um, but it's always good to give these people a platform and any sort of awareness that they can um, to get it out there and to publish their story, which a lot of people are quite scared to do. But yeah, there's a whole range of things that we do in chat. Um, but we like to, we always like to have that silver lining at the end of the magazine. So the magazine ends on a feature called A Letter To. And it is a single page spread and it's usually really emotional. It's like a letter to the child that I never had or a letter to the mum that I never met. Um, I've definitely cried over quite a few of these. Um, which, oh. Yeah, they're, they're very emotional, but we always like to end on something uplifting, like silver lining at the end of every story that we do have in the magazine. Yeah, that's what a lot of the criticism the people reading newspapers, they say, oh, I don't like reading newspapers because it's all bad news. But they're forgetting that a lot of journalism is not about news it's about features and it's about real stories yeah and the sorts of things that you cover yeah absolutely journalism is about people and I think when you do read some newspapers or when you look at Twitter you're missing the point you're seeing the bad news you're not seeing the people behind it and I think yes you can read a story about a child that has a brain tumor but if you speak to the parents, the parents want to talk about the last memories that they have with their child. They want to talk about what their child was like on a day-to-day basis. They want to talk about their favourite toys and their favourite food. And that's what I love about these sections is we can cover the bad news. But people need to know about bad news and they need to know about the families behind them because they are there and they eventually get forgotten. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's chat. Um, so are woman and woman's own pretty similar or what's their specific signature style? Mm, so a woman, woman's own are similar in kind of audience. It is most of our magazines are female um, and female focused and um, they mainly cover women's lifestyle, women's real life. I would say the audience is probably readers 35 and over. Uh, woman, woman's own, they like to feature on the working woman that, aspiring woman the woman that is pushing boundaries pushing our way through the glass ceiling in a way um so we've got news topic features so we've got like talking about and behind the headlines which is women on the front line so these women in woman woman's own are the women that we aspire to be the career woman the family woman the working mum the carer so yeah we've had topics about full-time carers We've had a, a woman that was a carer from the age of 18 who's looking after her mum. And they're always just incredible women. Um, so the sections that we've got in Woman, Woman's Own are like From the Heart, which is quite an emotional uh, feature about children or families. We find that with our readers, they, they're so focused on their families and their careers that when, mm. when they read stories like these, they, they couldn't imagine it happen to them. So we've got stories like Shock Reads as well. So if if someone's child had died or if someone's family member or husband had committed suicide, we look into the charities behind that and always try and give them a platform too. There's a feature that I love in Woman, Woman's Zone. It's called Don't Tell Me I Can't. Um, it's about women who are over the age of 40 who have decided to do something completely brand new 
Like I had a woman who started a rock band and a woman who decided to live on a canal boat just because people told her she couldn't. And she said, do you know what? I'm going to do this. Screw you. I'm going to do it. And they're the most amazing women to talk to. Yeah, people might see real life magazines as stories that are shocking or salacious or just out of the ordinary but we do have women that are extraordinary in there funnily enough i have actually written for that section that don't tell me i can't yeah when my (laughs) third book came out which was all about um getting into triathlon and i represented gb in my age group should i say i'm by no means an elite athlete yeah i got a story commission for that exact section so oh fantastic uh, my little claim to fame how did it end up how did that section end up for you did you find that it was a nice insight into your life yes it was and it was written really well because it was written off the base of an interview I didn't actually write it myself I think um, a writer interviewed me and then they ghost wrote it on my behalf and and I was really pleased with it and they managed to get it down to you know 600 words or or whatever it was and I know that if I were to write it myself like any writer who's because in your head your story is almost so much it's so much bigger and you never know which bit to cut out so this writer done a very good job having been like one step removed from me to the story to (laughs) condensing it right down yeah absolutely it is always it is always weird when we have to read stories back to people because they always say, oh, you've just read my life story back to me as if you were me, which is always quite difficult to do because I've never met you as a person. I only know you from an hour phone call. And I think that is so important to have that rapport with people because you are telling their life story. Mm. And if they and if they hate it, which they don't usually, if they hate it, then it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't do your life justice. I really, really wanted to. But you just don't know someone until yeah. you speak to them properly. Yeah. What a compliment. Yeah, absolutely. And what are the readership figures for the three? Yeah, absolutely. So for Chat Magazine, we're looking at around 200,000 readers per issue, which is great for the real life market. For women, there's about 100, 120,000 readers. And for women's own, there's around 100,000. Wow, they are. Yeah, they're big numbers. And they're weekly magazines, aren't they? Yeah. So Women, Women's Own is published on a Tuesday and Chat is published on a Thursday. Just such juicy stories, all these real life ones. So how do you go about getting them? And how, you know, how much are pitched to you and how much do you go out scouting for them? Mm, Absolutely. So usually on a day to day basis, I would probably receive about 200 emails and they're usually wow. teasers from yeah it's a lot it's a lot of emails there's teasers from press agencies where i used to work so agencies that work directly with local newspapers and national newspapers they have their own patches across the uk so they usually sign up a lot of their stories in house and then they kind of pass them on to us so i got a lot of emails from them um i get a lot of emails from freelancers People write into us directly because they love the magazine and yeah. they thought, oh, I've got, I might as well just write into my favorite magazine. And then usually they're really good stories too. I have quite a lot of good relationships with charity PRs. Um, like we do the Race for Life every year um, of cancer research and company charity sponsor is the Brain Tumor charity as well. So we work a lot with them. I tend to just look through Twitter as well. I look on Facebook groups, like community groups are always a hoot to look at because there's always some great stories on there too yeah I just I just love chasing people down on Facebook and they usually don't think they've got a story to tell which is always 
exciting to tell them that their story is really really interesting and their life is really interesting obviously there's a lot of prs who listen to this i mean is there much pr value can you give someone a pr value by running their story because obviously a lot of time you're telling the personal stories and usually a pr is representing a business owner for instance so yeah can you use content from from prs yeah absolutely um i get a lot of emails from say like weight weight loss PRs or even PRs for like children's groups I've had PRs from like the triplets foundation I didn't even know that was a thing but women that work with parents that have had triplets or twins like they get in touch and I know that they always want to push a website or a book at the end of the day which we're more than happy to do and but I think the key thing is to understand that we can't make it a sales pitch um we can't put in doctor's names. We can't put in like surgery names. Yeah. We can put in a website and a donation page. We're more than happy to do that. We're happy to mention any sort of important people or key figures in their lives, but we can't make it a sales pitch, which I think is really difficult. It's difficult to get that balance sometimes because obviously I want to promote charities and agencies and companies and books. And I'm more than happy to, but I want it to be genuine. I want to talk about the person behind it, not the company or the agency behind it because then it would almost be like I'm misselling it to my readers in a way I want my readers I want my readers to trust me and I want them to trust that I'm giving them the best possible story and not a sales pitch but a lot of a lot of PRs are amazing to work with and and they do understand they have read the magazines they know what works well Um, I want to talk a little bit about that about that pitching side so I mean first of all what is the planning process you know it's such a minefield for people out there who don't work in the media and even people who do work in the media because every publication has a slightly different agenda and I think you're my first editorial guest who comes from a weekly publication instead of either a monthly or a daily or or a digital one so how's that work do you have a, a you know a meeting once a week or what's what's the process I'll start with chat first. So with chat, I commission stories daily and every week I'll send a list of the stories that I've sourced and commissioned to um, like my brand editor. And then every Thursday we'll set aside an hour, two hours just to flat plan the next issue. I usually liaise with her every day just on stories to check, oh, which franchise do you think this would work in? These pictures Mm -hmm. are great. Could it work as a cover story? Could it, could it work as a lead? So every Thursday we go through all 60 pages of Chat Magazine to work out what story goes where and if we have the budget for it. And I always try to get in like one right. book story and then like one or two charity stories too, just so that we've got that nice mixture um, and that yeah. we are raising awareness for charities at the end of the day which is what I'm really passionate about yeah then it gets sent over to our writers and then they do the amazing job of tracking those people down and then interviewing them (laughs) yeah so I started off as a writer at TI Media so once the stories got commissioned and scheduled into an issue usually about six months in the future we work so far in advance then you have the job of tracking them down and having that informal interview with them yeah and just creating that relationship. So with the them. writers don't pitch their own stories to you. You normally commission something and then assign a writer. Yeah, yeah. So I'm basically I'm your first port of call for any stories for real life magazines at TI Media. They usually all get sent to me. I have knowledge about our budget, about our 
like what's audience appropriate for each magazine, which can be quite tricky sometimes because obviously I commissioned for three different magazines and they all have different audience styles and writing styles. But once they're commissioned by me and signed off by me, they'll go to my features editors who assign them to writers. So it's kind of, it's me and then features editors and then the writers sort of goes and that's the process. Um, And that's for chat magazine. Um, But for woman and woman's own, I get sent story ideas from the writers. They know what works. They're all very talented journalists. Say if they see something in the sun or in the Metro or even on Twitter, they'll send that to me and the features editors for Woman and Woman's Own. And then I can either track them down and chase them with my press agency knowledge or my contacts. And then I just commission them from there. So yeah, like they always send me ideas and like killer pictures. And how far ahead do you plan? So say for, you know, the issue coming out next Tuesday, how far, oh, how, how long ago was the planning meeting for that? Oh, wow. Um, let me just check. Today's issue was probably planned around six months oh, ago. Wow. Yeah, so we, we do it very far in advance. So for example, I'm planning like September in the next few weeks, which is just out of the, it's just, it, it's crazy thinking about it like that. So at Christmas time, we plan summer and at summer we plan Christmas time. So that's where you hear of the famous journalism phrase, you plan Christmas in July because yeah. we get invited to lots of Christmas events in July, which is very ah, strange. So I thought that was the case for monthlies, but not so much for weeklies. Interesting. Yeah, we need to plan. We need to plan these magazines so far in advance because it takes so long to track someone down and to interview them thoroughly, and then they go through the editing process and the legal process and the subbing process and then the pictures process. So it is a it's a very saturated process. So we just wanted to give it as much time as possible. And then we always read the story back with the case study at the end of the day to check that they are 100% happy with it. So we are spending all of our time and all of our efforts on making it, you know, perfect for the case studies. Because at the end of the day, this is their story. We don't want to make like a hash job of it because it's their life. And it's usually very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a very important point. When people pitch to you, whether it's a PR or whether it's a member of the public, and they might say if they say, I think this will be suitable for, you know, this section, this, you know, the letters to section. Do you always know instinctively which bit it would be suitable for? Or do you sometimes kind of think, OK, well, this is a good story, but I don't quite know which slot it will go into? I would say it's it's probably more difficult to have an idea in my head of where stories are going for woman and woman's own because there's so many great franchises in those magazines across both of the magazines that usually they're quite interchangeable in a way like we can say this is a shocking story but it can also be really emotive so it could be a shock read or it could be a from the heart for chat magazine uh usually we have a lot of franchises so i tend to know in advance where that would go so when I'm short of something, I can specifically look for, say, a letters page or a diary, or I can get in touch with the RSPCA, uh, RSPCA sorry, and ask for cute pictures of dogs to put as a scrapbook, which people always love. But I do always, always welcome intelligent PRs in a way that will look through our magazines and will work out which stories fit there, because I find that I find that so valuable to have as a, yeah. as a skill. If they suggest the page or the slot. Is that helpful for you? Absolutely. I would say 
if you wanted to pitch to me, the first port of call would be to read to read the magazines that I buy for and source stories for. I know a lot of us don't have money. You can read them online. They cost 60 or 70 pence in the shops. Um, you can look through my Twitter page, find my PDFs, find my portfolio, look at the stories that we tend to publish. And if you say, oh, this will work perfectly on a section. And if I say, oh, well, it would work in this section, but I want X, Y, Z, then we can work together and then kind of mind map it in that way. It doesn't mm. just have to be you pitching random stories to me we could work together as a team which is what I always like to do with um helpful PRs and helpful charities like yeah the number one rule for me is have you read the magazine if you haven't go back and pick one up just so that it's not a shock that is the pitching advice I hear the most on this podcast yes so on that subject um have you got any other general um pitching advice either the you know the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it for you know both from the perspective of freelance writers pitching to you, PRs or members of the public? Well, first of all, I have so much respect for freelance journalists. I don't know how you guys do your job. It is fantastic the amount of work that you guys put in. Um, But I will always say that I look for, I I would like a pitch with pictures. I'm always going to come back and and ask for pictures. Say if you're pitching to me this amazing new product or this amazing um, weight loss regime, I want to see case studies. Um, we're a real life women's magazine so usually I would want pictures of that real life woman that it's happened to or if it's a book about say we've had a book in chat magazine about the first ever NHS baby I want pictures of her as a child do you have any old pictures any black and white pictures Um, I would say they're they're really important to me and don't say your colleague passed me on because that never works for me Um, just speak to me directly I have up to 10 colleagues I don't know who you've been speaking to Ah, Um, I'm more than happy because that's a common one that's a common one yeah but like I know that there's there's a lot of us on the team we're all we're all very busy the writers get lots of emails too from PRs and press trips and charities but the best person to speak to would be me because otherwise you just email and into the abyss um and just have a grasp of what we look for and a grasp of maybe what we're missing I'm always excited to hear from people who feel like we're missing something in the magazine because I'd like I'd like to know like I want to the readers our dedicated readers we basically wouldn't survive without them and if there's something that you feel as a reader you're missing I'm more than happy to talk about it I'm happy to see what we can fill that section with and um have you got any examples of any great pitches or bad, actually, because we all we like to hear from those as well, because it's entertaining, um, of pitches that you've received recently? One person who is amazing to work with um, is the main press officer at the RSPCA. She's always she knows that everyone loves dog dog pictures at the minute. She sent I me. Do. She sent me. Yeah. Oh, everyone. Everyone wants to know cute dog like what cute dogs Guilty are doing. Guilty on Twitter of posting lots of dog pictures. <laughs> that is what Twitter is for. It's not for the news. It's for people's dog <laughs> pictures. That's all I'm on Twitter for. Um, but they are incredible to work with. They will just send me a whole bunch of pictures, all captioned correctly, and say, this will work as a scrapbook. During lockdown, these are all the pets that have been adopted. What do you think? And I go, this is amazing. Can you have it in by next week? And they go, here it is. It's already done. It's it's so easy. I'd like to 
skip past all the email and processes and all the backwards and forwards. Usually my deadline is as soon as possible just to get it in mm-hmm. as far in advance as we as we can. Or they'll say, oh, I saw this in the sun. Would you like something similar for chat magazine? Maybe we could do it this way. And then I call her up and I'm like, this is amazing, but I, I'm not sure about this line. Can we change it into this? And they go, yeah, already done. Perfect. And then they'll, they'll have permission from all the case studies. Um, a lot of things that I do find um, is a problem is people will pitch me case study ideas and I go, yeah, this, this is amazing. I'd love to put this in X magazine. And then six weeks later, they go, oh, sorry, we didn't actually ask them in advance. There's a, there's a lot of emails backwards and forwards, which is just kind of not being helpful for either party. I've had people steal pictures from the internet. Like we can't use pictures direct from the internet. Mm. They have to be okay yeah. to use. Um, in terms of probably one of the don'ts, um, there's always a pitch that stands out to me in my three years of being at TI Media. I got a phone call from um, a girl in PR she just said, oh, hi, um, I've got a story for Chat Magazine. And I go, oh, right, okay, amazing. What's it about? And she goes, oh, it's about um, shark mating habits. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, do you have any pictures? <laughs> oh, no. Do you have any case studies? Oh, no. And I was like, oh, do you have any statistics? And she goes, oh, no, I just thought it would be a good idea. And I was <laughs> like, oh, right, okay. Um, which which section do you think it'll be in? She's like, oh, um, in the middle of the magazine? And I go, right. <laughs> You know, it's so it's so difficult being in PR and having to cold call magazine editors essentially, but just spend five minutes like looking up who I am or looking up the magazine. And shark mating habits would be really interesting to read about, but if there's no pictures and no statistics and it's just a random idea, then <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just doesn't work. Well, the work. sign of a good PR, I think, is to take that initiative themselves to look at the magazines because they probably think, oh, well, this, my superior told me to pitch to chat magazine, but they haven't, no one told them to look at the magazine. But I think that's the sign of a good PR is actually looking, taking it on themselves to look. Yeah, absolutely. And the magazines are fun to read anyway. Exactly. So if you buy it on the way home, then you'll be like, oh, maybe maybe chat magazine could do a double page spread on weird mating habits and animals. If you pitched that to me, I'd be like, yes, that sounds amazing. That sounds really weird and interesting, but maybe we could make it work. Do you have X, Y, and Z? Maybe if you have some pictures in, I can look at it. But she just spouted this information about sharks without any pictures or case studies. And I really felt for her. It is, it is such a difficult job to do when I think yeah. you're, you're being told to call to call people. <laughs> so I just have a couple more questions. Um, the first is, like, have you noticed anything different, any new trends recently, especially because we're obviously we're all in lockdown now as we're recording this. So has this changed anything in the way you commission or the way you work or just the types of pitches that you're getting? I've been getting a lot of um, coronavirus and lockdown pitches, as you can imagine. The important thing to remember is that, sadly, I'm not lifestyle, as in metro online perhaps would be lifestyle. But we have been commissioning some pieces for women in Women's Zone about um, women that have lost family members or women that have been on the front line. So I have noticed that there's been a shift in the magazine world in general to focus on the people that are helping us to focus on the NHS and not to focus on bad news. Like for example, when the Manchester um, bombings happened, um, it was, it was horrific, but we didn't want to focus on the bad news and make people upset because magazines are supposed to be about escaping 
reality in a way. So we wanted to focus on the stories of the people at the heart of it, wanted to focus on the grandparents that perhaps found out later than everyone else or wanted to focus on the parents or the nurses or the police officers that were there, those women that were there. And that's what we're focusing on a lot in lockdown. For example, we're doing a a study in Chat Magazine on the rise in domestic violence in lockdown. And we've been working a lot. Yeah, we've been working a lot with... Yeah, absolutely. So we don't want to skirt around. We're not skirting around these subjects because if we were to admit them, then we'd essentially be admitting to ourselves that they're not important and they are so important to us as women and as writers. So I have noticed a shift in the magazine world into being more kind and to being more caring. It's not just that fast-paced news desk. Mm. It's like, it's not hello, goodbye with everyone throughout the day. It's keeping those relationships open and giving people that help in hand if they wanted to get in touch with say refuge the um women's domestic help uh, domestic abuse helpline then where we can we can put them in My touch with them question is um do you, are you at all involved with the commissioning of stories on the website or is that completely separate so our main website is um good to know so it was only been fairly recently where the company's I think a lot of magazine industries and media companies have realised that there is so much power online, there's so much power in uh, Twitter and social media and the digital that they've wanted to train everyone up in the digital, which is amazing. It's so good to have another string in your bow, so to speak. So if, say, someone did pitch me a story that would be um, great for online, I'm more than happy to liaise with the good to know editors. Um, I'm still kind of kept back from them because I am more print journalism. But what I do strive to do now is I always try and get the charity stories and case studies online because then that's, we've got 200,000 chat readers and then so many hundreds of thousands of readers on good to know so that's more awareness for them i mean i can't put every single story online sometimes things don't work on good to know they are better in the print magazine yeah but i always like, like i always send over interest in press releases or statistics over to them i'm kind of semi-involved with good to know um i do write for them on a monthly basis but i mean i'm, I'm looking after three print magazines so Sadly, I'd love to do more for them, but there's just there's just not that there's not enough hours in the day. Is there? Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> Even when we're in lockdown, in fact, there seems to be less hours of the day in lockdown. But that's, I know, that's I know. something I wanted to ask you, and I promise this is my last question because there aren't that many hours <laughs> in the day. Um, you are freelance as well. You know, you're a freelance writer as well as having a full time role in a as commissioning editor for these three magazines. So, how does that work? Um, my freelance writing, um, it's very separate from my um, full-time job. I kind of focus on more personal matters to me. So as you might have found from looking at my Twitter, I'm very active in women's rights and like periods, uncomfortable topics to talk about. I love, like, I, I love it that you address these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Because I love speaking to women on a day-to-day basis, but then I think about me and I think about my personal life and what I want as a woman and as a a plus-size woman and as um, a woman that is always put under the microscope for being working class and for being from the Northeast and having a funny voice. I'm more than happy to talk about that in my freelance time. I often find that I don't have time to pitch commission editors because I'm just so 
so wrapped up in my work because my work always comes first. But when I do get an idea or something that really matters to me, um, I will pitch it to other publications, but it's, it's separate. I try not to get any overlap. For example, I go I go running and people find it strange that I'm a plus size woman and I go running. So I thought, oh, I'll write about it. And I get right. all these amazing messages from women that are my age going, oh, that's that's really inspiring. That's so nice. And that's what I wanted as a young writer. And that's what I wanted mm. as a young woman. So, um, yeah. So where can people find you if they do want to get in touch with you or, or follow you? Yeah, my Twitter is at M-E-E-H-W. And um, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I don't share my email address on Twitter. I send it in my direct messages because I find if I share it on my Twitter homepage, then I get all sorts of random emails. Yeah, if if you have a story, please feel free to DM me um, on Twitter or on LinkedIn. And then I'll I'll pass you my email address or my phone number and we can chat about it. It just might take me a while to get back to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do get back to everyone. That is something that I pride myself on. That's I will so get back nice to everyone. Because I know what it's like as a freelance writer to pitch into the abyss and just have nothing back. So I will say no. Don't take it personally. It's just you not right. Very popular for that. So thanks for that. Emily Harrison West, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.